fundamentally my dream, you know, is to see every doctor in the country fully understanding the effects of the climate crisis so that we can then activate our communities and our communities become more climate active. You know, that's, that's my theory of change. That's Adelaide GP, Dr Kate Wiley. I'm Robert McLean, your host of Climate Conversations, and this is the latest episode. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to elders, past, present and emerging. I first saw Dr Wiley on a Climate and Health Alliance webinar. Later, she was a guest at the Shepparton based Beneath the Wisteria. Kate agreed, without hesitation, to be a guest on Climate Conversations. So let's have a listen now to that discussion. Kate, you're a GP, so where do you practice? Um, I practice in Adelaide, in a small group practice in urban Adelaide. So why did you become a doctor? Uh, basically because, you know, I want to help people have good health care in this country. I come from a medical family. Both my parents were GPs. My brother's a GP. So it's certainly something that is, you know, a profession I'm really aware of. Um, you know, I just want people to be healthy and happy, basically. Kate, you're now a serious advocate for action on or serious action on climate change. So why did that happen? Well, you know, it sort of comes through my, um, uh, you know, myself as a doctor because I see climate change as a health issue and I apply a medical model to climate change. But obviously it also comes through being a human alive on the planet at this time. And, you know, I don't think... You know, if you don't have your eyes open to the climate health emergency, I don't think your eyes are really open. And so, you know, I don't, I can't sit back and just watch it all go by. I need to be part of the solution. I need to be doing something. So do you see the impact of climate or the climate crisis among your patients who come to your surgery? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, you know, like climate change is absolutely um something that we're seeing on the ground now affecting the health of humans in Australia and across the globe. When it comes to things that I see in my practice in, you know, little old Adelaide, I see people having the mental health effects of climate change most obviously. So, you know, young people, older people, lots of people are really worried about climate. And when you start asking them about it in GP land, they tell you how scared and worried they are. Um, so the mental health effect is probably the thing I see the most. I see um, young people, like younger women especially, talking about not wanting to have children because of the climate crisis. And I personally find that to be you know, extremely heartbreaking, extremely overwhelming and awful that we have you know, young people making that extremely hard so, so decision. So what do you say to them, Kate? Well, um, first I'll listen to them. You know, like I give them an opportunity to express what they're feeling because, you know, quite often climate is the elephant in the room and no one talks about it and people don't get that opportunity. Um, and then I really talk it through with them. I start addressing their climate grief and their climate anxiety and try and help them find ways to be active within the climate space, help them feel like they have some agency to make a difference in the world around them. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we respect people's decisions, you know, and um, you know, if a woman has the right to contraception, so I would, um, you know, facilitate that. 
you know, it's hard to give answers to you in this way, Roger. You know, each patient is different. And so I'm a little bit wary of saying I always do the same, this, this and this. You know, I have to, you know, address each patient as they come into my room. So do your patients raise that voluntarily or is it something you take the opportunity to talk about? Both. So, you know, some people will bring it up, absolutely. Um, But some people, it's there. You know, and once you start asking about it, then they start talking about it. Um, and, you know, some people um, might not, you know, sometimes when you when I raise climate, like oh, I might kind of weave climate into a conversation about something that they might not really be thinking that climate change is affecting them. And then when you tell them that climate is part of that problem, then that kind of increases their awareness and um, helps kind of address those issues. So like an example of that would be asthma. So we know that um, climate change is exacerbating asthma, increasing the risks. And so say a person comes in with asthma, I'll talk about the common things that make asthma worse that we all know, like exercise, having a cold, cold air, um, emotions, those sorts of things, smoking, obviously. I'll talk about the impacts of gas on asthma. And then I'll say, yeah, and we know that asthma is becoming more frequent because of climate change. And then that kind of opens up that conversation that people haven't sort of maybe considered about before. So, so that is a sort of eco-anxiety, you might say, that you're seeing. Yeah, I see a lot of eco-anxiety. I think eco-anxiety is really common out there. And, um, you know, I think it's absolutely our job as health professionals to be trying to address it. I was going to ask you, that: should we talk to our personal doctors about climate change? I think you should. Yes, and, please. And what do you think we should, you know, be, what do you think we should be demanding of them? well i think we should be asking them to be climate aware practitioners you know i think we should be asking them to know about the health effects of climate change and how it affects their patients and their regional health effects you'd appreciate that you know the effects that people see say in the torres strait you know who are are hugely impacted by climate up there now are um, you know different to perhaps the things people might be seeing in rural Victoria or outback Western Australia. So there are those regional changes, but I think GPs need to be aware of them. It's certainly the greatest health problem of our time. So, you know, we should know. Um, And then asking them to how you can protect yourself from a climate perspective, you know, and your health, and then asking them to be, you know, climate active within their own world. Is our health system uh, prepared for the rigours of climate change? Um, Not as much as it needs to be. I think there's a lot of work to try and improve upon that. Um, I certainly, you know, welcome the AMA and DEA joint statement calling for an 80% reduction in um, healthcare emissions by 2030. I think that's a great thing. Um, You know, and a lot of the medical colleges have, you know, called for action on climate. The RACGP, my college, declared a climate emergency a couple of years ago. Um, there's the Royal Australian College of Physicians have done heaps of work on this. They've got this great work about climate-friendly and climate-ready healthcare systems. And also our current federal government, um, you know, went into the last election talking about a um, having a healthy climate um, plan, you know, a climate and health plan for um, Australia, and that would have to include, you know, preparation within the healthcare industry. You, you have a website called Climate Medicine, so why did you start that? Because I felt that there was a gap. You know, I wrote that about 
three years ago after I'd read the IPCC's 2018 report, which you've probably read and was completely devastated and overwhelmed mm. by it and thought, well, you know, what do I do with this information? You know, do I just sit back and watch it or do I try and make a difference? And so I wrote Climate Medicine as a way of, um, you know, showing it as a health issue. I, you know, I feel like it's been a problem that climate has become this sort of left-right political issue when it's actually physics. Um, and so I could demonstrate that and then um, use that um, sort of knowledge base to advocate into the community. So one of the things I do from climate medicine is I present to community groups on climate change and health, which is what I did with Beneath the Wisteria. What do you see as the greatest threat to public health from climate change? Oh, it's a very – that's a really complex question, Robert. <laughs> um, the greatest threat to public health is that we'll have a planet that's not habitable. You know, the civilization will break down. You know, if you think about where we're headed, you know, we've got these various emission scenarios, etc. but we're at risk of losing the whole thing from climate. Um, you know, and already, so it's like that's a very multifaceted answer. So, the greatest risk, um, lack of food and water. Yeah. Mm. You know, like, you know, we already have, you saw the last droughts. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to have droughts again, you know, when you have towns in, you know, rural Australia without fresh drinking water. That's yeah. a public health disaster. You know, even with the flooding, you know, we've seen, you know, towns without potable water and, um, you know, that means increased risk of infectious diseases, all the diarrheal bacterial infections that love a flood. And then, of course, we have food insecurity. So, you know, with droughts, you lose your, you know, you can't grow your food with a flood or your food gets, um, you know, flooded out. Recently, I heard you speak where you mentioned that the statistic where one in five people around the world die from air pollution so so was that air pollution from fossil fuels or yeah fundamentally so air pollution from burning coal oil and gas so yeah we think about you know like obviously combustion of fossil fuels causes global warming right you know like that's the you know 75 percent of emissions come from fossil fuel combustion but also when we burn coal and oil and gas we release all these big nasty pollutants and they you know get um, go through the alveolar bed into our bloodstream you know deep into our lungs they affect our heart our lungs our brains our neurocognitive development of children they get go across you know they affect um, the development of babies in utero you know, the effects are massive actually more than we suspect. You know, it's always a surprise, I think, when people hear about that study about pollution being responsible for one in five deaths globally. <laughs> you know, I think it sort of floored me the first amazing, time I read it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit, bit confronting, sure. Robert. Kate, I understand you're involved with Doctors for the Environment, so can you tell me about that? Mm. Yeah, sure. So uh, Doctors for the Environment have been around for a bit over 20 years now, started in Adelaide, um, and we're a group of doctors and medical students who volunteer our time to do what we can to protect human health from environmental concerns. So we all know that we need a healthy environment to have healthy people, that you can't separate humans from the environment that they live in. And, yeah, so we advocate for climate action on health grounds, um, 
you know, DEA members, we visit politicians, we, um, you know, write lots of submissions, we do education, um, you know, do everything we can, basically. Kate, predictions can be the work of the devil, and if you don't want to go there, that's fine, but what do you think is ahead mm. for us? Well, we know, well, you know, we don't have to predict it much, really, do we? No. Like, we know that yeah. we're going to get a hotter planet, so... You know, we've locked in now 1.5 degrees of global warming. We can't, you know, we are currently sitting at 1.2 degrees global warming and we're seeing all this stuff play out. You know, the catastrophic climate fires, the the floods, all of that, we're seeing it now. We know that we've got 1.5 degrees locked in so that all of that is only going to escalate, get bigger and worse for us. Um, you know, I heard Leslie Hughes from the Climate Council talk last week and she said that, you know, we've, we're going to spend our carbon budget for a two-degree future by the end of this decade, which is you know, pretty intimidating if you ask mm. me. So what I'm hoping is that, well, I suppose the thing that gives me hope is that as things become more and more obvious, the need for action becomes more and more urgent. And so we, you know, stop this sort of kicking the can down the road kind of culture and, you know, address it. You know, let's, you know, because I suppose the thing to remember is, you know, the future isn't written and it's hard to be... Um, you know, sometimes I think it's hard with climate to have hope and I know that lots of people that are really involved in the climate space get pretty overwhelmed and pretty disillusioned. But if we let that narrative take over, then we'll stop acting because we'll think, well, what's the point? And we can't have that. You know, we have to keep trying. We have to hold on to hope and act. You know, there's that active hope concept. You might have read about that. And, you know, I find that personally very helpful. It says, you know, like, I am going to do what I can. And if everybody does what they can, then we make a material difference. Yeah. So, you know, what happens in the future, my prediction? Well, it's up to us now. It's up to us. That's you know, a good point. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, like, we know that things are going to be bad. It's just a matter of how bad. Yeah. And that's, you know, that concept of every tenth of a degree matters. You know, we're pretty much, we've locked in 1.5. We're looking at locking in two degrees by the end of this decade. How about, it's 2022, how about we really, get, you know, get going, act now. So it's 1.6, if you see where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. Kate, you're clearly concerned about our inattention to and action on climate change. Um, so what, do, what should yeah. people be doing individually? Well, if I look at my website, I do list 10 individual actions, so 10 things that each person can do to make a difference. I think the first thing to say about that is to remember that um, collective action, we can be powerful. And I know that for individuals, it can be a little bit like, well, you know, I'm just one human, what can I do? But, you know, collectively, we are powerful. We've seen that in COVID. We've seen how, you know, when we work together, we can make big differences. So I just want to preface with that. Um, but, yeah, so there's a list of 10 things. The first thing is to learn about climate change. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. know a bit about it, look it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it's it's you not know, hard to find, is it? Well, no, there's a little bit out there. Mm, I, <laughs> I think there's a bit of um, misinformation out there, so I'm all about going to reputable sources. Um, personally, I think NASA's website is, you know, yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Um the Climate Council is great. Um, our Bureau of Meteorology has really excellent 
stuff on climate. Obviously, Doctors for the Environment has stuff. My, my website has stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, that's like the first one. And then um, the next thing we need to do is talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, climate change, you know, it's really so often the elephant in the room. You know, we're all worried about it. You know, so many people when I talk about it at work, you know, like, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about it that they haven't had before. And so I think we need to talk about it. Um, you know, then we can kind of feel like we can act more, you know. Um, we do sort of need the... permission or something, don't we? It feels that way. Yeah, I think sometimes we do, you know, because I don't know, like I suppose maybe because it is so scary and because we feel powerless. Yeah. I've asked people um, to talk about climate change with me and they say, look, I'm not an expert. I know nothing about the topic. So and I think, well, you yeah. can find out if you wanted to. Well, this is it. And, you know, we talk about everything else, don't yeah. we? You know, like yeah. how many conversations are we not really experts about but we talk about it? Yeah. You know, so I think we should give ourselves permission to talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, and then, you know, obviously there's the other eight things on the website, which I can go through if you'd like, Robert. But um, Oh, no, I'll, I'll put a link to your website on the, on the in the show notes so people can have a look at them for themselves. Great. Yeah, no worries. I would like to say that the number 10 thing is to act for your climate. Is, is, sorry, so what, the, what is the number 10? Act for your climate. So thinking about what you can do. So, you know, I'm a GP and so I can talk about the health argument you know, and sort of address it from a health perspective. But, you know, I've got friends who are really great gardeners and so for them, you know, a climate action is trying to grow as much of their own food as possible and making sure their house is well shaded so it doesn't need to be heated as much. You know, I've got other people who are, um, you know, really good at money so they can talk about divesting and help their friends sort of organise those sorts of things. So I feel like each person can look at what their skill set is and think, well, what do I have to offer to climate? Kate, is there something else you would like to say? Um, what would I like to say? I think that climate change is an immense global problem and it requires the concerted um, efforts of governments, in industries, professional groups and individuals to solve. Um, so I think we need to be all in, basically, and work together rather than, you know, not taking responsibility. I think it's awful that we're alive at this really important, this really crucial decade in the history of our planet. And, you know, we've got this big responsibility on our shoulders, but we need to acknowledge that it's there and do something about it. Thanks, Kate. I appreciate the chance to have a chat with you. Yeah, you too, Robert. Thanks so much for asking me along. Yes, there's always more. Yes, yes, there is always more. And Kate, who just loves to talk, and particularly about climate change, just went on. See, and, you know, that's fundamentally my dream, you know, is to see every doctor in the country fully understanding the effects of the climate crisis so that we can then activate our communities and our communities become more climate active. You know, that's, that's my theory of change. Thanks so much, Kate. You'll find a link to Kate's website, Climate Medicine, in the show notes, and you'll find links to other important organisations that Kate talked about. That wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. Until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. Mm -hmm.